0: This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how science fiction, horror, fantasy and comics help us explore our humanity.
1: If you follow the seventhmatrix.com and if you don't, you should, they offer comprehensive coverage of short films and also miniseries and also web series as well. The short film is a unique way to establish a project, perhaps leading to a full-length version or maybe just being a good standalone project. Into the void was this year's crop of genre short films at the Tribeca Film Festival. I was on the red carpet, and I had a chance to talk to some of these talented folks behind these films. First, I chatted with Pete Blumel and Kathy Twig of the Rogue Initiative, who are doing some cool things in gaming shorts, and even have Michael Bay as a partner. Their entry in this year's festival is the cool The 716.
2: Tell me about the, the, uh, the Rogue Initiative. Well, uh, we are a production company and technology company fused together, so we create film, television, and immersive content, so we always look at stories and where they can blossom out of a film or a television series or a game or an immersive experience and then blend it into the other technologies that we're developing internally. So it's really a fun experience for us.
1: How did the 716 kind of come your way?
0: We've known Andrew for a very long time, and and we've been looking for the right project to really take out with him, and this definitely is it. I mean, he's amazing talent. He directed it, starred in it, wrote it, and um, I can't wait to see where it goes and what other properties we can do with him together.
1: Now, is it challenging to do this as a short as opposed to a feature where you have to kind of condense everything a little bit?
0: Well, I think it's a much larger project and, and by doing this feature it really shows what he can bring to the table and, and what we could really do with this property so I, I definitely believe the short shows that and I, I think everyone will be very amazed by, by what they see.
2: This short begs to be uh, built out into a much larger world, all the pieces are there. It's very entertaining, very comical, a huge sci-fi element, so we think, we think there's an audience for it. And, and so you're saying that this
1: could morph
2: into a game as well? Yes, I think this is a perfect um, uh, property they can live on and all sorts of things. Initially in this regard, we'd love to see it as a TV series or something bigger, as well as bringing it into any other venue that we think could help, a video game for sure. Are you exploring virtual reality at all? Absolutely. We do have virtual reality projects that we've already completed and more that we're looking into, as well as augmented reality and immersive reality, location-based VR, things like that. So when we look at this, we really think about, hey, how can this live on as something really cool as an immersive experience or as a game? And because our technology allows us to leverage a lot of what we do across these platforms, the way we author content and way we kind of push it into other mediums with our technology pipeline, it just makes sense to mitigate production costs and do something across different platforms.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll
2: keep an eye out for the Rogue
1: Initiative. They're still young, they've only been around since 2015, so their best work is ahead of them. I admire companies that get it and embrace all forms of entertainment, passive and immersive.
3: There is more sci-fi talk, so
4: stay tuned.
1: Speaking of The 716, a fun romp-like adventure comedy about unlikely heroes in space. Let's meet the driving force, writer, director, and star Andrew Bowen and fellow cast member Taj Spites, who plays a Marine stranded on a planet awaiting to what he hopes to be a rescue. You're you're doing things that most actors hate, you're directing yourself, and you're in the movie. Yeah. And, and it's a short film. And it's a short film. So
4: how is that for you? Andrew Bowen is just so much work, high maintenance, and...
5: <laughs>
4: no, I mean, it was... Yeah, I guess it's sort of a little sort of a, of my process, but um, you know, Lauren and, and Taj and and John Asher really wants to who make these things come to life and and uh, you know it was it was kind of a, impossible to create a really awesome sci-fi world and not be able to play in it a little bit so it was just fun and i you know i've been acting for a long time and it's still something that i have some heart in and and uh, you know it's fun i'm like why not if you get to fly spaceships in outer space you kind of get to do that and he's so, great, yeah. and, he's great.
1: And, and and taj you were the guy who had the line in the trailer it's like How much much ammo do we have? Not enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
6: I know. That's kind of how the whole movie felt. It's like we're up against insurmountable odds, and somehow we're just like we have to keep on going.
1: And you got these guys rescuing you, and... They're kind of making it up as they go along, and maybe that's half the fun of the movie.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of a very irreverent sort of take on that sort of sci-fi universe. I don't think anybody's really sort of done a story about the medical side. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah, that's right. And this is sort of, you know, you could almost say it's a little bit of, you know, mash in space, and, and uh, you know, they're expected to fail, so, you know, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, it's probably not a good idea that they put people in charge who all had... ODDs, so you know they're gonna do the exact opposite so but ultimately we had a great time and and uh, the goal was this was to make something that was just fun you know, have people, it's a popcorn movie, yeah. sit down have a really good time. And, uh, and, and so far, you know, we've had a great response to it. So we're very happy. It was a lot of work. So, what was it like for you to, you know, to, to have the grease and all that
1: and to, and to kind of be this tough Marine?
6: It was amazing. It was amazing. The work environment, it was so cold and everything like that. So yeah. it just, it made you just kind of be in the moment. You didn't have to really do too much. It wasn't too much acting. I was really cold. I really <laughs> felt like I was dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was amazing, though.
1: Well, great to talk to you. Too. Good, to talk good to luck. You too. Thank you. Playing the other stranded marine or scout is Lauren McFall, who you may know from the Skyrim parodies, Super Losers, and voicing Carrie Mcintosh in Grand Theft Auto V. Is your character is it kind of tough knowing that the people rescuing you are probably have less skills than you do?
7: No, because that actually (laughs) makes it easier. You know, like I get to be the badass in charge. I know what's up. I get to call the shots. Yeah, it's fantastic.
1: What was it like for you to kind of play this tough character that knows what she's doing with weapons and everything else?
7: I grew up loving Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton. Yeah, and and I, any chance I can get to do anything in the realm towards that direction of aliens or Terminator, absolutely. It's in my blood.
1: I think you channeled Ripley a little little bit there.
7: Thank you! Like yeah, oh, no. God, yes. Man, I wish that uh, curly hair was still in, because I could just rock that all the time.
1: And what was it like with the gear and the costume?
7: <laughs> <laughs> hard to get in and hard to get out of it, you know? <laughs> Once it's on, you're like, I'll oh, just leave it on my body. Let's just deal with it. Um, hopefully, in the future, we'll have less complicated armor,
1: mm-hmm. I hope. There is hope that this will go on further than just this short.
7: Oh, yeah. There's big plans for it. They, they have... I guess basically plans for a TV show. Cool. So a whole Bible and everything—that's Andrew's big dream. So yeah. What's
1: it like? It's such a irreverent, fly by the seat of your pants kind of movie. Yeah. Unlike where where the where the sci-fi actors know or the characters know everything that's going on and they can solve it. These guys were making it up as they go along. That's got to be fun.
7: Yeah, it's really fun, and it's kind of like you know when we're even on set, it's we're getting to know each other, and it's kind of like you know I was going to rip and do this because if I was really in this situation, I would just be like you know fuck it, I'm just going to do this. So <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun.
1: Well, it's great to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, you're a terrific. Actor.
7: Thank you very much. I really trip. appreciate it.
1: The next film is Laboratory Conditions, which stars Marissa Tomei and Minnie Driver. This is a case where an investigation into a missing body uncovers an illegal experiment. Here's the film's producer, Joe Russell. I like the concept that they're investigating one thing and then something unlawful shows up or it creeps up and the cast you assembled, Marissa, I mean it's to name one but it's a great cast too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, so
6: uh, we were really lucky. Uh, I'm seeing you're asked like how, how we got how we got them. That
1: well, that would be it? yeah, that'd be a good question. <laughs> uh, you
6: know, I I'm a I'm a big fan of writing letters. You know, I I, I love I love movies. You know, I I think a lot of filmmakers leave a life that is not terrible to pursue a dream. Yeah. And Like I had a great family in the Midwest, and I love movies so much that I left them. So I try to come at things uh, with a lot of passion and and magic and when it comes to this when it came to this movie we just wrote really nice letters to marissa tomei and to mini driver yeah and we told them how much we you know like their other performances we didn't know them at all i had met mini driver actually years before at sundance oh wow um, cool. and she was walking down the staircase and i was walking up the staircase and we had a chance encounter just for a second i tried <laughs> to like say hello to her and I told her I was an actor. I told her I had seen her at the Screen Actors Guild building. And, and then she, she was pulled away by one of her assistants saying, Oh, M- Minnie, we don't have time for this. And oh. M- M- Minnie turned to her and said, Don't you ever interrupt me when I'm talking to another actor. Oh, and wow. And nice. she turned And she turned to me like she had all the time in the world, put her hand on my shoulder and said, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Wow. And so we hung out that night. She, like, invited me to her, wow. to her show. She played music that night. and wow, cool. And so I reminded her of that night and... Magically, these people said yes. Now, the, they wouldn't have said yes without a great script. And obviously, that was written by Terry Rossio, uh, who's written a bunch of big stuff. Uh, and he got the idea for the script from an article that he read in college. Uh, someone was actually paying $10,000 if they could prove the existence of a soul. So yeah. that's, that's wow. how he got the idea. Ah. And, uh, and then it was the first thing he ever had written before Part of the Caribbean, before Aladdin, before all that well, stuff. He had written yeah. this, this short. Wow. Um, and then he fixed it a lot before we shot it. Uh, he, yeah, he, he changed yeah. it a lot. but
1: You know, I think what intrigues me is the moral implications of it and yeah. and ethics. Those are words that kind of get lost these days. So kind of speak to that. Those points, obviously, you wanted to hit
6: on, the, on this movie. My main motivation to make this as it is was really based on my early childhood watching The Twilight Zone and things like that. So... I am not incredible with my words when it comes to explaining why I'm curious. At you know, to make a thing, I just kind of feel it all. I think the director and the writer can speak wonderful words about how they crafted this. You know, like that. I think in today's society, I'm kind of seeing that. You know, what you just said, like being ethical and all that. I think people are just doing stuff. I think we're just distracted. I think we're we don't take the moments to just chill and think and, and that's what I want my content that I produce to do and I've been turning down a lot of movies lately that have not been that that's like oh a sniper shoots these kids okay then what oh nothing they all die like what is what is happening with the like we have such an amazing tool in movies to make people really think and to appreciate their life or to think of just be thankful or you know so I don't know so that's the content that I'm led to make
1: The film director has had an interesting career change that led her to the big chair. Here is Jocelyn Stamont.
6: First of all, woman
1: director, I think that's awesome. I do too. We don't don't have enough, to be honest. I agree. Um, I actually, uh, and it's sad to say this, but I actually talked to a woman composer that is scoring the new Krypton series. She's Turkish, which is really cool, but she's only the second composer to work in the DC universe that's a woman. Interesting. So it's like, wow, what's wrong with this picture? So, what was it like for you to, to to step into this project? How did you get involved, and what in the script really kind of spoke to you?
0: Well, those are a lot of questions. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Um, I originally trained as a physician. I'm a surgeon. That's right. Yes, you're. You're. Yeah, you're an right? indeed. So um, the script is medical based, yeah. which is very interesting to me, and it also is uh, compelling in that. It really asks some of the most important questions about life and death that we all have. It's universal uh, in its appeal. So, I thought that that would be really compelling for an audience. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And you had a great cast. I mean, Minnie and obviously Marissa. uh, And it's an ensemble piece a little bit. So, what was it like to kind of orchestrate all of that with all the different actors?
0: Um, that's really, I think, the fun of filmmaking, Um, having an ensemble. Mm -hmm. And they were great together, and they were really, we really had four or five distinct characters, and then we had the relationships in between each of them, and that was just really fun to orchestrate that. Um, I think most films are about character relationships, so, um... Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment.
1: How much time did you have to shoot?
0: We shot over five days. Mm. We had another, an extra day for um, visual effects.
8: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And I think we had one extra day where we did, or half day, where we did some insert shots, but it's really about a five day shoot.
1: And there's really two things that kind of stand out to me, two words that kind of get lost ethics and morality (laughs) so I'm glad you're addressing that in this movie. Talk about those two aspects. Obviously you wanted to hit those.
0: We did. Um, I personally have a real passion for um, digging down into the, the, the basics of what medicine is about and I believe there's been recently a lot of corruption in some of the science around medicine and We have forgotten that medicine is about patients' histories and and patients are really our first and our most important um, investigator of what's wrong with them or or what is going on in in their body. So, the film touches on that, who, you know, what is the best detector? It's often a human.
1: yeah.
0: And we've gotten away from that, I think. I think we're, we're checking off boxes and doing tests, and a lot of the, uh, the science research um, is, is uh, ignoring some patient experience. Mm-hmm. And I think patient experience is, is paramount.
1: And, and real quick, does this mean you're quitting your day job sort of <laughs> uh,
0: That happened already. Oh, it did, okay. <laughs> um, I, I still have my license. Um, But I don't have a practice. Oh, okay. So
1: So the directing bug bit you.
0: It did. Yeah. (laughs) I'm also writing as well. Okay. So um, that's sticking over a little bit.
1: That's excellent. Great to meet you. Thank you so much. Glad we talked. There's more of the indie shorts at the Tribeca Film Festival, so stick around. This is who you are. You're on Farscape. You're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. This is Ben Browder from Farscape. You're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Exit Strategy is a film where two siblings are caught in a time loop, and they try to stop a deadly fire. Here's the director, Travis Bible. I actually covered a time loop film last year here, but I'm not going to say what, because I don't want to give it away. It would be a spoiler. Okay. But you guys aren't doing that right off the bat. This is a time loop. The challenge to shoot something like this, let alone write something like this, I guess you had to do a lot of pre-production to kind of get
5: everything to work out the way it should. Yeah, we worked with the script a lot to make sure it it kind of all made sense, or made enough sense, because, I mean, isn't, I guess the deal with sci-fi, as long as you set your rules and follow your own right. rules, then, you know, it's as realistic as a, whatever you can have for a time loop movie, and then, you know, I spent as much time concentrating on making sure you could have kind of a good rapport and good connection between the brothers the yeah. actors in it because i knew if i if, as long as the actors and we could sell that then i felt like i'd have a little more room to work with on the the time loop stuff but yeah we our script supervised right, like we had to just it was a three and a half day shoot and we we're constantly shooting the random scenes for it to make it all, all work little pickups of how things could have gone so yeah and the casting did that come together pretty quickly uh, yes, pretty much. I've worked with uh, both actor Chris and Richard before in a movie we did about con artists. So we did this, and um, you know, Chris uh, is a very charming British guy, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna write you kind of a. Dirty, not socially awkward kind of scientist guy. That's American, and he loved it, and really went through it, and came up with the idea of having a notebook and a pen. He was always gonna click, and just kind of threw himself in it. And um, yeah, I was was very very happy with them.
1: Editing okay. something like this that could be a bear in itself to kind of piece it all together. So how was that for you?
5: I'm a I think I'm an editor almost first. I'm a, really into editing. That's what I do is my day job as well. So. Part of the reason I wanted to do this is like, I bet I can cut a really cool like kind of time loop montage. So that was the first thing before I come up with, you know, story and everything else. I'm like, this could be fun to do, you know, play around with. And um, yeah, I was just making sure it all makes sense. And we had to decide where to put certain parts in. We got some notes like, does this make sense? And so it is always weird with continuity and all that stuff. But, um, you know, we did a couple cuts and got it down to, where hopefully it works, or even if you don't quite understand what's happening, at least it kind of looks cool. So
1: I hear there's a twist at the end.
5: Yes, ah. yes, we put, we definitely put a twist because that's what's interesting. Like I don't, uh, time loop movies are a thing. I mean, I guess they've been going forever. I saw that Star Trek Next Generation episode yeah. a long time ago with Data was the only one. Like yeah, uh, that's right. That's the one that. So it's like I feel like you have to kind of do something. A little different. It's not quite enough to just do like a, a time loop.
1: The actors he was talking about are Christopher O'Shea and Richard Konicki. Another selection is Bad Peter, written and directed by Zach Strauss, who was the story editor on NCIS New Orleans. The story involves an AI who forces an expectant mother into a humiliating birthing process, as her AI knows what's good for her. I have two AIs at home. Good. Kind of, sort of used to it. But obviously, your AI goes a little further. Right. Is it inspired by what's going on today a little bit?
8: Yeah, it's definitely inspired by what's going on today. I would say more than anything, though, it felt like it was a device to talk about how the patriarchy and technology are kind of one and the same and how so many male designers and male coders um, are designing from a logic point of view as opposed to a emotional are um, something that has to do with less about the, the sciences. So it seemed like an interesting thing to, to kind of well, how would it look like if a single mother by choice had a robot telling her how to give birth? Yeah. yeah.
1: So I would think it was just pretty much her on the set most of the time that, and the robot or the AI's voice was supplied later. Was he on set too to
8: he was on set the entire time. I, I like owe him such a great debt of gratitude because he was there standing behind walls <laughs> talking to uh, Frankie the actress yeah. and really working with her. I mean, so, it, you know, I think the performance paid off because otherwise it would have been me setting the lines off screen.
1: How long of a shoot did you have?
8: We only had a couple days. Wow. It was two days, but I mean, it was easy for us because it was, I mean, relatively speaking, it was contained. It was one house and two actors. Wow. So it was, you know, it was, um, it was great. What's it
1: feel like to be here in Tribeca?
8: It feels really nice. <laughs> I lived in New York for a number of years. Now I live in L.A., oh, okay. and, and I write TV, so to come out here yeah, and to be right. at a festival that still has an emphasis on film and yeah. being kind of what where I learned to love film is like, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a dream in some ways.
1: Has the directing bug bit you?
8: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I've wanted to do this for years. This is just the first time I ever actually found the time and the money to to make it happen.
1: Yeah. U.I. Soon We Will All Be One centers on Kira, a ranger on a mission to retrieve a drone gone astray, but soon discovers a large object in the wastelands of Antarctica. The film's co-directors are Johannes Maki, who is a trained architect from Vienna, and Patrick Sturm, who is an Austrian film and TV designer. Here we are on the red carpet. It's really unusual your film because you're an architect, yeah, I am, and your your co-director is also a, and you're you're actually a designer for films and TV's, right? Is that right, or a designer?
3: Yeah, uh, we design for film, but also Johannes, we're both uh, coming from uh, the, the design uh, direction somehow. Uh, Johannes is more the, direct, uh, the, the designer of real things and I'm more the designer for virtual things, oh, like okay. graphic design. The motion
9: graphics means production design.
3: Yes, essentially. Yeah. And at one point you have the
9: feeling, you're working for film so much, now let's make one ourselves, you yeah. know, it's about time. You yeah. really want to, to jump into that. This is interesting too,
1: it's, uh, it's essentially there, it's a drone retrieval, could be very routine in the future, but it's not. We don't want to give anything away, but uh, is it safe to say that it's going to be something monumental that happens
9: when they retrieve? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's something monumental that is not even too fictitious. It's something something very big that I believe mankind is truly heading towards, and that we should that we should really uh,
3: think about and be aware of. Yes, actually we're not pretty far away from that, we're almost there if you uh, look at what's possible with uh, artificial intelligence now, Um, then uh, think of what's possible in one year, five years, in ten years, it's getting faster and faster and so I think when we look back in some years to our film, okay, yeah, this is it, Uh, it was what we were thinking.
1: Any any movies that inspired you to ma- in the making of this movie or in your past?
9: Yeah, definitely. Um, when we saw, when, I can speak for myself only. Obviously, when when I saw Ex Machina, yes, it really it really bent my mind because because of the fact that uh, human conception is always of there's a good and there's an evil, and those terms do not apply to an artificial, just really calculating, non-ethical being. So I really like this approach that this film had, and this was something we really wanted to inject in our film as well, to, yeah. to go away from the usual preconception of bad and evil, cool. uh, bad, good and evil, good and evil yeah, yes. of course.
1: We're, we're all struggling with that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I That's think the there's one. a little bit of everything in all of us, so we kind of have to yeah. you know, sort that out. Yeah. What's it like for you gentlemen to be here in Tribeca?
9: It's <laughs> still like a dream. It's, it's, it, yeah. it all started with an idea when we were skiing, Wow, <laughs> we saw we saw this structure that will appear in the film, and we always thought we have to do something. And now to understand that we came up with this skiing idea and now stand at Rebecca Festival, yeah. it's just really mind
3: blowing. Yeah, it was like really funny because uh, when Johannes talked to me about this building, what kind of building? Yeah, and then he had an idea for a script. Yeah. I was always saying yeah fuck it let's do it yeah let's do it and then it, it became really serious okay uh really are we doing uh, film now yes we're doing film now and uh yeah so we, we kind of slipped into that and and more and more and more it and more felt good more, it felt, yeah. good,
9: felt good so you're both austrian Yes. No, actually, I'm German,
1: but You're we German. live in Vienna. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, because my wife's family comes from Germany. Oh, really? I, but I mean, like, way back in, like, the 1600s, okay. they immigrated here. So oh, I've been I see. So, a long time. You know, there's a famous Austrian who hopefully will, you know, it would be a little good luck charm for you guys, and Mr. Schwarzenegger, so you never know. Yeah, exactly.
9: <laughs> yeah, let's hope for that. He's been dealing with artificial intelligence as well. In he Terminator. sure has. He
1: sure has, yeah. So, yeah. I think that's the biggest... Thing that's gonna hit us. It's,
9: we, I have two AIs at home already. Everybody has. Yeah, it's a matter of this definition: of what an AI is. M- yeah. my car, the the that's GPS right. speaks to me, and that's a kind of an AI already. It is an AI. I mean, my video games that I play, it's a basically Absolutely. an AI
1: because it adapts to me yeah. and you know plays against me, and
9: it can beat me real easily if it wants to. But yeah. <laughs> At the moment, just in video games. Yeah. But as soon as an artificial intelligence just brightens, broad, broadens the the, the perspective, yes. and can do all these things in yeah. one in one entity, then it's going to become interesting. Yes. Uh, and scary. Yes. <laughs> and absolutely. <laughs> scary. Yeah. Well, it's
1: great to meet you guys. Thanks so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. This one sounds interesting, as all the others have as well. I can't stress enough how important it is, as genre fans, that we look to other countries for our SF fantasy and horror fix as well. There's a lot more out there, and to help guide you is the amazing seventhmatrix.com. Rod Faulkner is on top of the most current online series short films out there, all genre-related. Special thanks to the Tribeca Film Festival and those talented people that keep the short film genre alive and very well. I'd like to hear your comments as well. You can leave them on my SpeakPipe page at speakpipe.com forward slash sci-fi talk rant. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony
4: Talato. Hi, I'm George Decay, and I listen to Sci-Fi Talk.